Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to In My Kitchen with Yvonne, the podcast where we delve into inspiring stories from visionaries, entrepreneurs and educators. I'm your host Yvonne and I'm thrilled to have you join us for today's episode which is packed with valuable insights and empowering conversations. Today we have our incredible guest, Lynn Swain. She's a dynamic consultant and a powerhouse based in South Africa. She's here to share her remarkable journey and expertise in leadership, team dynamics, and inclusive work spaces. Welcome, Lynn. Tell us a little bit about you, Lynn. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks, Yvonne, for that that great introduction. wonderful to be here. I'm so pleased you invited me and hello to your listeners and viewers as well. Um, Yes, a little bit about myself. Based in Cape Town, the best city in the world as far as I'm concerned and um, I know it's tough out there for some of you in the cold. Um, From my my perspective, I think, yeah, here I am um, as someone who's trying to really find shortcuts, find easier ways through life and through work uh, for all of us. So whatever it is I ever do learn, I tend to push myself quite a lot. I am kind of driven and passionate about sharing it because life doesn't have to be this difficult. And that's really where my essence lies. Um, In terms of what what I do for a living and how I do that, Symbiota Leadership Institute is our organization. I founded it and it really was originally founded to be a conduit for research that I was doing on the neuroscience of leadership, which I really, I would say, kind of stumbled upon in my late 40s and everything, everything came together. All that leadership struggle that I'd seen in organizations, because at that stage I'd already been Uh, consulting for probably about 17 odd years um, and been in the learning and development frame and enjoying it but knowing that there was a missing link and having found that has given life to my ability to coach, to enhance other coaches, to change a culture um, within organizations, to be less toxic and more trusting and really creating a culture of resilience through that. So that's the focus. I'm a mother of two daughters and a stepdaughter, all in their uh, 20s. So we are now able to to fully just focus on on sharing and completing our purpose. My God, Lynn, thank you so much for that um, overall uh, background about yourself. And um, you know what? I'm going to be asking you the secrets to looking as youthful as you do with oh. uh, <laughs> as we go further in the podcast. <laughs> Beauty effect. <laughs> Beauty and, effect. And, and I'll also be asking you a lot of questions about Kaitor as well because we were discussing that just before the episode. Um, but for now, um, I, w- I would really like, um, and our listeners as well would really like to know a little bit about your background. So you've got an extensive background in corporate training and leadership skills. And now you're revolutionizing the landscape with Symbiota. 
tell us in a little bit more detail. I know you started to, to, um, to get into it there, but could you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about your journey into consultancy and then what led you to your TEDx talk on trust revolution? Well, yes. So just as TEDx was a major stretch for me, um, and let me tell you, it's going to be easier for you as a result of what I'll share because so much of it is in our heads. Um, but just as I took that step, so I too, as a young person, um, having had to take on a lot of responsibility as a child, I emerged thinking, I'm going to step out, I'm going to break some boundaries um, and I'm not prepared to stay in this limiting space and together with that were those self-limiting thoughts but I decided to take what I could where I was so there was no money for university in those days for me. Um, what I was able to do was to do a four-year diploma for example in microbiology because I had an instinct and a love um, for science and and so that's what I did I took that as the first step toward being in business toward being able to enhance um, life mine and others and there I was one day in the laboratory analyzing feces <laughs> and the next day deciding to apply for a management role and I was really I was only 21 at this point but I just thought just try it and I landed up at Coca-Cola leading a laboratory so this incredible management stroke leadership um, career began and out of that came great opportunities and I then eventually moved into the pharmaceutical environment um, and finally into regional and sales management at a relatively young age and as a woman, which was in those days not that normal. Um, and so during that time, I was able to gain a sense of how leadership is done, was done, um, and where there were huge holes and, and how easily a toxic culture can arise when it's not a top-down approach to creating a culture that, that supports wellness in your people. Um, and it was out of that then that I decided to start my own business. I first bought a franchise and that then developed into a, a learning and development organization which did really, really well. And we looked at, we tried always to challenge what was happening. And in the first organization, um, we developed a culture of entrepreneurship. So here we are, right? With that entrepreneurial sense of autonomy and excitement of being part of something while being employed. And so that was our first uh, real win. And we took that out to sales teams, service teams, leadership teams, etc. Um, we were nominated for age of innovation um, award and so that that was that was really really great i then developed breast cancer and that diagnosis brought me to the crossroads and deciding to study coaching so for three years um, I, I practiced coaching executive coaching etc took and streamlined all of my experience and the then studies that i had done um, 
And out of that, I got to hear about this neuroscience leadership. It was a Masters of Science program at one of your universities, Middlesex, um, really ahead of its time. And uh, it really has been the, the biggest pleasure to be able to take this brain-based lens out to organizations and now help them build a culture of resilience and trust and ultimately wellness. And that's what I'm, that has been the consulting journey. It's generally about wow. building a culture and then the how is through empowering everyone from top to bottom. It sounds to me like a lot of it was very much instinct driven um, so you know you you seem to really understand yourself from you know from what I'm hearing and 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 you see the path and then fearlessly almost like you know so brave and fearless go for it um, so it, it's it's you know it's so beautiful hearing how your journey has been and you know the the kind of ups and the downs that you've faced as a woman and then you know with the terminal illness as well and just keep blazing through it what would you say so because you were running a training company before and now you're running symbiota and through all these challenges how has your approach evolved over the years right so i i just love your insight initially when you said then you seem to have an instinct for this um, and that it's born probably and and encouraged out of having had times that were difficult and and this is so true you know our self-awareness um, does develop if we are positively inclined and do not allow ourselves to fall into dysfunctional coping um, mechanisms, right? We are able to learn so much and it, and it is exactly that. It's when we've had to pick ourselves up and struggle, we learn ways and means and are hungry and out there and seeking um, personal development opportunities to, to grow. And what I love about the resilience curves that, that I work with is that we kick off with event one, which is um, really tough. We then fall a little, hopefully reconcile everything and turn back up. And so we develop our positive trend. At first, it's all about us, but ultimately we bounce back with less and less to lose. And then eventually, purpose-driven, are able to, to help. So I just, I just loved what you had to say there. Um, my approach is always influenced by, um, these days, always influenced by a brain-based lens. So before we used to, with, with leaders, you know, show them models and say, oh, this is the way that change happens. This is what you need to do, guys. Now we're able to say, this is how the brain works in the workplace. When we look at annual reviews, what activates within your team's brains? What happens when they hear those words? Right? Um, what do you think you could do better understanding that? 
And so they buy into the way forward. And it's very much a sort of rip, feed, um, digestible, chunk simplified um, research that is still robust and has integrity, but that leaves leaders wanting to do better and seeing that doing better for others means they too become healthier. I love that. Doing better for others, they become healthier as well. I was, uh, we were having a conversation this week um, in, um, I usually join a, 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 a group of, uh, I would say a mastermind group where we discuss things um, and we were talking about that. Um, one of the things that came up actually was depression. And as I, I can imagine if you're dealing with something like, you know, breast cancer, or you're dealing with quite challenging things, which people at work generally are, when they come to work, they put on this heart, but inside things are happening. And like you say, the wheels turning and the thoughts are coming uh, when different things are happening. And uh, one of the things that I remember we had a conversation about was, giving and contributing to others and so if somebody was feeling quite depressed the best way out of that is actually and and it's so counterintuitive it's actually get out the house and go and find somebody who is in a worse place than you right. are and you know and fit into them and oh i remember um yes yes so for example you could go to a children's home find some children who do not have uh, parents and just give them hugs and listen to them. <laughs> yes, Yvonne, um, spot on, spot on, for many reasons. <laughs> so it feeds into, but it's in giving that we receive, you know, that's saying. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's fantastic that we say that, you know, to leaders, you know, actually pour into your people. Um, and then they're going to pour into you rather than expect the way around and push, push, push. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah. Uh, Yvonne, on, on that point, yeah. if you would allow yeah. me, just such yeah. a beautiful segue into something that I feel is important for us all yeah. to, to, to know. Um, and it's little understood, it's little known. So, yeah, when, so there we are, right, feeling down, um, and obviously it, it might not be clinical depression that we're in, but let's just use a reasonable scenario of not feeling great. We don't even want to leave the house. Uh, we can't think straight. We're feeling overwhelmed. Mm. But yeah. we decide to get out and go to that children's home or uh, retirement home down the road. Mm. And we just start speaking. And that empathy that we then experience mm. raises a hormone within our systems that is not only known as the empathy hormone, but also the moral hormone, trust hormone. Yeah. Oh. It's also released during love making and hugs. So there you are. <laughs> you mentioned the nice. hugging. Um, yes. Beautiful. So you raise oxytocin in both parties. So the child on the receiving end from you of that, that love and that hug experiences a spike in oxytocin, as do you. Now, this. Yeah enables us to because it's kind of contagious so in that empathetic state yeah they do think that would happen in a corporate world you would be able to start building a little circle of trust around you and empathy and inclusion mm -hmm. um, in that 
depressed or slightly low state, let's imagine you're in, it lifts you and enhances your thinking because this oxytocin molecule also allows or modulates the release of the focus and passion hormone called dopamine. We all want dopamine. So suddenly you're feeling a whole lot better and actually quite a bit more confident and hmm, energetic. Absolutely. Maybe you'll go to that coffee shop now as opposed (laughs) to just going home to your bed. Um, Call a friend, you know, and so on. And so that cycle continues. So it's a hormone that heals us, heals our frazzled nerves. So that's, that's the beauty of empathy and giving. Oh, beautiful. That makes so much sense. Is dopamine the one that's normally released when people are exercising as well or, you know, it's, moving yes, quite quickly? Part, Is that the part, same um, part? Part of the cascade. Um, and dopamine is, it's very similar to cocaine in structure, but it's legal. <laughs> that makes you feel incredibly so good. you can take a legal cocaine. <laughs> you can manufacture it yourself. <laughs> I've never done drugs, so I don't know how. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but I, I imagine if it falls the way. I mean, this week I'm, I've upped my exercise regime. I, um, you know, like when you exercise regularly, you, you, and we're going to go into that because I really want to discuss the, that, that you know your your youthful. Um, secrets. We're going to be extracting everything out of you, Nim. <laughs> Not much on that side. You know, we're getting all your, you know, your brain and your neuroscience thinking um, now, and then after that, we're going to go into your youth, your secrets of youth, because we have to find everything today for our listeners. Um, yeah. So, uh, my, my exercise, I, I noticed I had come to a plateau. For some reason, I'm not, we're not going to say age here when we're not discussing age. We all know we're all 16 with a few years of experience. <laughs> you go. I like you. <laughs> um, but um, I, as, a, as a woman, as we get older, I, I think it happens with men as well because I think they get dad bods, don't they? <laughs> um, there's certain areas where we start accumulating um, weight, and one of those is our stomach, our mid region. And uh, try as you might, I mean, I go to the gym almost every single day. I just could not shift. So I was like, okay, up we go. We're getting a personal trainer. Mm. <laughs> and that was the thought. You're looking good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thought. That was the thought. So um, I put an ad in bar. So in the UK, there's this, uh, it's like a yellow pages kind of thing um, online. And um, we, lo and behold somebody called me they came round to the house and they came with this huge equipment thing told me to turn off all the lights <laughs> come downstairs <laughs> with only um uh, uh, spots brined and tight so i was like well hold on a minute this is not personal mm. <laughs> mm. i am Goodness going somewhere with this <laughs> <I'm on. laughs> Um, anyway, so it turned out that they had what they call a body mo- comp- composition monitor. Okay. Um, and it needs 
the darkness in which to read everything that's going ah, on. Ah, okay. Oof, fat relief. <laughs> <laughs> show, right? <laughs> Now the thing, though, I mean, I'm going a little bit out of what we're talking about. You forgot to tell me to tie my hair, and I have usually have my hair this way. So when we did the whole thing, I looked like alien because my whole head and neck looked this big because <laughs> it, it doesn't distinguish. It just throws the thing. Oh my gosh! Anyway, <laughs> no, it's okay. So we, we climbed on this thing, and it then went makes you turn round, and then it gives you your body composition. Um, and, it, and 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 from that, he said that um, so your your body composition is okay. What you need to do more is strengthening exercises. Um, so as a, a, a because I was told to do strengthening exercises, that's all I needed. I, I didn't go ahead with training after that because I exercise anyway. But this week I've been doing a lot of strengthening exercises so i've been having a lot more dopamine <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah that's a challenge isn't it i mean whenever we challenge ourselves and it sounds like you really have been it's not easy zumba anymore mm. no it's not just zumba now <laughs> it hurts but there has been dopamine and you're 100 percent right Lynn. i do feel like i am on cocaine no, it's incredible. Yes, it really is such a stress reliever, um, and, and we just we tend to always put it, you know, to the bottom of the list when we're busy, especially as an entrepreneur. So much going on. Um, but yes, oh, well done. I think that's incredible. I'm feeling so, really fine. I was coming. There's a long-winded way of asking when you're doing your training, what are the ways that you encourage them to have this cocaine in the workplace yes so of course my my knowledge is very limited to the leadership aspect but when it comes to to exercise and i'm coaching someone around that most of most of our issue and challenge lies in the getting up every day and making a habit of it. So I concentrate more on that. It, it is about having having a goal that is not outrage. So Yvonne, in, in your case, you know, you, you obviously have a figure in mind or, you know, if it's a weight loss or if it's a centimeter loss or whatever it is, you've got something in mind. And then to say, right, well, that's the end goal. But what can I reasonably expect with a little bit of a, a challenge in it um, over the next three months? And then what am I going to do about it? So bring that close, bring the goal, the, the end point, the measure closer to you because the brain likes that. It'll work toward that. Mm. The, yeah. And every time you think, and this is, of course, you probably have all of this down pat because you coach. Right, I know about that, Lynn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my goal is to be 16 again, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we have to really help you. Um, just <laughs> normalize. But um, yeah, so you, every time you visualize that Yvonne, you're visualizing your year from now, Yvonne, but thinking about your three-month 
measure. Your brain doesn't know any better and imagines that you are the Yvonne Yu picture. And then it gives you your dopamine release. It rewards you ahead of your goal every time you're very clear. And this is why it's sometimes important um, to, to kind of, maybe you have a picture of, and, and we're not allowing you to, to hope for 16, sorry. <laughs> no. So you have a picture that is kind of reasonable, right? And uh, yeah. But at least Why in your head, or, or, <laughs> or maybe you're in your bikini again up our garden route here in South Africa. There um, we go. Yes, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. A sixteen? No, twenty. Twenty. So that's that the issue, guys. And then creating a habit um, and stacking those habits, right? So that you don't. You're going to gym for a coffee and then a class. That's how I do it. I, I love. No. That. Nice. So is, is the coffee the reward before the class or it's kind of is yeah for getting there it's my oh. first step got there now starts the, the next and of course the reward after that will keep us coming back so that's my mm. my long-winded way of answering your question no i love it i really love it so you give yourself um so you have your big goal Right. Um, so, for example, at the minute, we're in the process of setting up our charity and there's quite a few hurdles that you have to go through in order for the charity to, you know, to, um, to be registered with the Charities Commission in the UK. Due diligence, they have to do all these things. Um, so it might take us a year to register the charity. So what we could do in place as we're going through, because there will be hurdles that we have to Line, isn't it? But this is the end goal. So we have to set ourselves little, little steps that will get there. So once the charity is set up, it will be doing this, this, this. What could we do in the meantime that will help us feel good about this to get there? And I like your analogy of I'm going to the gym, but I love a coffee. So I'm going to go and have my coffee, and then I go to the gym. You know what, Lynn? I'm just gonna I'm gonna steal that because I'm always late for my gym. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, make it a latte, <laughs> vanilla latte. Trying to cut off dairy. <laughs> I have yes, a, I once met an investor, and they they were having a turmeric latte. Turmeric latte. I might try it. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> the way I'm sweating at the gym at the minute, anything is possible. Anyway, so after the gym class, you then reward yourself. So you could, for example, um, I could reward myself with fish and chips. Well, Yvonne, the reward that you get from going yeah. to gym from a brain yeah. perspective, is so yeah. good. Don't you feel that you've hit that and then it becomes more It's the feeling, the feeling of it, the feeling after yes. you've achieved the miniature goal. So it's basking in that feeling, enjoying that feeling. Maybe even Wanting having a walk more. Yeah, wow. make it addictive. I love yeah. that, I really love that. <laughs> So, speaking about the mind and speaking about the brain, 
um, I, I, I really would like to get into your TEDx talk. But before we get there, I just I want to ask you a question. So a lot of the work that we do, we deal with the mind and we deal with emotions um, because we we talk about emotions actually being the fuel for everything that we do in life. Um, and I've always been curious about this mind-brain connection. What would you say? What is the mind? How is it different from the brain? What's your opinion? So there are so many different thoughts on it. What what we believe for the purposes of the workplace, for example, is that the brain is an amazing organ and it has learned to default into biases, default into negativity because it first is needing to protect us. Right? So that's, our brain might just as well still be living in caves um, as we once did and at the rustle of a bush uh, <laughs> into that fight and fight. Everything's killing us, isn't it? Because we didn't have, um, we didn't have, what do you call them? These uh, bells that show people their face and things like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so our brain still carries all of that. That's there. Um, and in the workplace, um, we are triggered now by a whisper in the corridors that because we aren't wearing our specs, we think is all about us. And that sets us off into this fight and flight state. So what we like to, to, to share is our mind, our will, our intentions are way beyond that. We're wanting more. We're wanting to be able to stay in an engaged state where we can think, where we can play, we can, you know, be rational, come up with in a bed of ideas. For that, we need to be in our prefrontal cortex, our thinking brain. And I believe that our, if, if we decide to take charge of our brain and its typical defaults, and our self-awareness is such that we're hungry, in fact, for a solution, we're able to learn emotional regulation techniques, simple ones, that can help us to the extent that even biases, prejudices that we've carried in the past, which became default because of the way we grew up, even those were able to change. So it'll always be a non-conscious reaction, possibly in the first two-fifths of a second. But because you've learned a technique, it's like, hmm, no, is this true 100% of the time? Or um, there I go again. No, mm. this person is my family. Mm. You know, it, this is, so, so they, that's the mind and the brain as far as I believe we need to be aware in, in the workplace. Take charge of that. You steer, you decide what you're going to be afraid of. You decide how you're going to reframe something that has threatened you, like someone laughing at you, for example. Mm, mm. Um, 
or, or the assumption that someone's laughing at you because of that go. reptilian brain. We're still in that cave, aren't we? So we're we're thinking, oh my god. And do you think like there's certain aspects that normally drive some people to be a little bit more sensitive? Because there's some people in the workplace that the slightest thing sets them off. And some people, they just seem to be able to ride whatever wave is coming. Yes. So we are all actually set off incredibly easily. Um, and yes, it could be predisposing factors um, to some people who are more sensitive than others, which means they probably have to work really hard at adopting techniques, practicing them um, in terms of rising above some assumptions they might have made, um, perceptions they might have, um, in such a way that they in future can be included because that's often what, what we find is that when someone assumes that they are excluded, they start withdrawing and it becomes them and me. Mm. It's an actual fact. They do have an opportunity to, yes, courageously decide that from their perspective, they're going to breed, say, trust, that at least this group would want to know a little more about me or would want to, uh, we all have the same goal in mind that we have great teamwork or we're all you know, working toward organizational goals, etc. So yes, so this default into feeling sensitive, the reason why I said it happens far more easily than we think is um, we in fact can see it in, in one of the experiments. Uh, this is by uh, Eisenberger, top UCLA researchers, the researchers, a neuroscientist. What she did was she had people put into um, brain scanning machines, but the kind that uh, you could stimulate a particular emotion and see it real time. So the neuroscientists were busy having a look at what and how people's brains were activated. Um, and they had all of these participants watching quietly in their fMRI machines, a little video. And in this video, there were three cartoon characters and they were told which one they were. But of course, you're just lying there quietly in your, very quietly looking up and there's a ball being passed from one character to the next. So from one to supposedly your character and so on. And these were adults. When they took them out of their machines, they were in a state. The neuroscientists had seen the activation of the fear circuitry within the majority of these adults. Fear circuitry. They came out saying things like, okay, so who were those other two? Mm-hmm. Irrational. It's like, no, it was just a video, it's a setup. You know, all of you are seeing <laughs> video. No. And in fact, I don't know whether it was her experiment or later, but they, they in fact needed to have. Um, debriefing for these adults. Wow. So they weren't participating in the game. They were watching characters and yet this is how they felt. They felt excluded. They felt insulted because what happened was that the ball came to them less and less and less and they're not at all. 
before they were drawn out of oh, them. Wow. And that was the trigger. So from playing happily and seeing that prefrontal cortex, thinking brain, happy, down to the last few minutes um, and seeing this, this change. So out of that, when one's in that state, one is irrational, um, one starts generalizing. It's like, oh, who are those people? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's them and me. And then it's, they're the foe. You know, they're not my friends, they're a foe. Um, I'll withdraw. I won't take risks. I won't take a risk trusting them. Um, you, you, you really struggle to work in that state. But even seeing someone's expression, you know, you look up at your boss and he or she looks absolutely, you know, uh, angry. Now, they might just have climbed out of their car you know, from you know, having a domestic argument or something and walked straight into the workplace immediately. Yeah, like nothing at all yes. to do with yes. you. Yes. What does he yeah. know that I've done, you know? Um, and, of course, that can become extremely contagious in an open plan environment um, and, and spiral down uh, to total lack of productivity. So that link between our subtle uh, triggers and the triggers are relative importance to other people. It comes in the form of um, feeling alienated, uh, uncertain, you know, information not shared with us, shared with others. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. What's that, that? You know what? That is so eye-opening, isn't it? As in, we link our identity to something even something that has nothing to do with us but because somebody has said this is you yeah this is your identity you're this cartoon we latch into that identity and then we then play the part of that right so the ball we're in a we are afraid of being left out of this social situation we're playing together we're included and then now we're not being included as much and then it's completely withdrawn from us. And I suppose if somebody is coming from a situation where they're dealing with something like this that has happened to them, their inner child would really be triggered by that, wouldn't yes. they? If they haven't dealt with this situation or it is a situation that reminds us of a time in our life where we were excluded, we were bullied, whatever happened yes. to us as a child, this would really trigger that identity within us and especially because i hope they did some um what do you call it when somebody has gone through some trauma <laughs> to deal with and afterwards deep imagine a few a few adults dealing with a lot of trouble <laughs> but it explains a lot doesn't it like you say um, a boss could be coming in to work and a boss is actually an identity it's a representation mm -hmm. that person is just a human being uh, right and, and if, we, if we have this horizontal relationship it's not going to be as bad but if we've been brought up in vertical relationships the boss yes. means so much to us doesn't they and yes. who they signify yeah so they yes. could signify a father they could signify a mother grandmother whatever we've grown up with and we have a vertical relationship with them and then they come and they tell us off you know right. so it takes us right back to when we were that little child 
being so off by you know in this vertical relationship really interesting stuff here i'd love to get into this more but i want to i want to know why you chose the topic a mind shift to create a trust revolution as your tedx talk tell us a little bit about what motivated what inspired your talk Uh, i'm really curious yeah well firstly I, I felt as though I had been privileged enough to, in life, have experienced perhaps not having um, trust easily, not being deemed trustworthy because of where I had been placed as a child um, in a children's home, right? So it was, and that does come into the into the talk. Sort of overnight, your life changes. Um, age of nine especially those vertical figures forever um, mm. but out of that came a sense of right well, I, this is way before I knew about neuroscience and I think many people listening mm. have had to do the same sort of thing it's like okay um, it's not like I have everyone around me helping me up I'd better do this for myself and I set my sights on a goal and along the way uh, I had rejections further rejection in other words from a high school that I really wanted to go to no they rejected me because they saw that I was in a children's home they didn't want to um, compromise anything within the school and as a result I had to get back up again I was only 12 at that point but you know again write a letter and I'd trust that that principle would read um, they would see the plea would see my now new marks um, mm-hmm. and, and make a decision like that. so all of all of that having to fight to be considered trustworthy and the internal work it took to trust others again led me to a real interest in the workplace in how to develop and breed trust but accelerate it I mean, we don't have forever and we do possibly have those those figures who we need to defer to or who control our salaries um, our brains perceive them as a conduit to either life or death that's the yeah. brain the fight so, of flight that you talked about earlier exactly and and we can't afford to consistently be subjected to that so when I looked at the neuroscience of, of leadership and sales and service and, and everything that we do in the workplace, it's, it requires us to see how we more effectively can create an environment of trust, whether it's with our clients, whether it's with our colleagues and where teamwork is incredibly important, whether we're looking at ways of creating upward mobility for ourselves it's a skill that everyone needs and I then as a result of the studies was able to pull together a way in which we can intentionally earn bold trust and I thought that I'd then share that idea um, you know obviously building and drawing from researchers who have done all of the first-hand robust research but draw for the sake of organizations and this is how we train um, people within the organizations they are 
models and tools that are built um, and backed by neuroscience. I thought, right, it's time to share this one idea with whoever needs it. And what better opportunity than TED Talk? So that is what I first felt. I then sat at a lunch last November with an amazing woman, Carol Constant. And I think, Yvonne, you're, you are familiar with Carol Constant as well. Yes, yes, she is part of my mastermind group. So we One. usually, yes, yeah, she's yeah. an amazing woman. She's done her own TED Talk as well, hasn't she? That's right. And, um, and her story is, yeah, is brilliant. Yeah. It's wonderful. So she came out from, I think it was Czechoslovakia at the time, and sat down at our table at a beautiful wine farm here in Cape Town for our little Christmas party. And she said, so what are your goals to everyone around the table for next year? Which of course, my surprise, it was only November, but of course, most of us are coaches, so we should really have one at hand, right? And we said, well, what was yours? And she said, it was to do a tech talk and she said, I did it. Said, How did you do it? Wow, the courage, you know, she yeah. did it yeah. uh, and against many odds and had something to share. And she said, so what are yours? I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do it. I'm going to do it this next year. And yes, you know, fortunately, I just kept trying to, to find out how it all worked. Carol was amazing. She, of course, she had streamlined um, that process, how to, how to get um, to be accepted on stage. And then I had her and Beatrice, part of TEDx Benita Women in Namibia, being the most brilliant coaches, nurturing, helping, reading, editing, scripts it's a far more nurturing process than we think and that's so something i want to encourage everyone here to consider a lot of us have some really great ideas born out of our own experience as well as what we've been able to pick up so it's that's what it is for me it's having had an interesting background that is a privilege having had the opportunity of studying through middlesex university major privilege something that is cutting edge you know i have got to offer this back to to those who need it oh brilliant brilliant and i just i love the fact that you embody it as well like um, you know saying coming from the experience that you have come through so you have learned how to be resilient and i would imagine you've learned how to do it on your own a lot of it and you know from from the sounds of it you've had some pretty good mentors as well and uh, from you know your school life uh, as well as you know mentors and coaches like caroline guiding you to this um, to do the ted talk and how you know what where can and um, where can people find your ted talk um, if they would like to listen to it we know we know what it is, um, but just remind us what the heading of the TED Talk is and where people can go to find your TED Talk. Right, wonderful. Yes, so you are able to go straight to YouTube um, or directly to the TED um, TED platform. But um, YouTube, it'll say Lynn Swain. That is L Y N N. Surname is S W A I N. 
um, and you could say TEDx. Uh, in fact, I think what you need to say is if, if you really are stuck, it will probably come up with a mind shift. This is the title: a mind shift to create a trust revolution. A trust mind shift to create a trust revolution. And it's TEDx Benita Women. Um, it was the, the the local venue. So TEDx V I N E T A Benita Women. And that's Good. in and Namibia, that's, that's great. Yeah, that was in Namibia. I I went I went off to Volfish Volfish Bay, <laughs> and then and then yeah, it was just. A brilliant experience, I must say. Um, what a warm audience as well. That was also something that I did. In our nervousness, it's good to have a, a model. And in fact, if you listen to the, the talk, <laughs> you'll be able to pick up on that model. That's really what I used before I stepped up onto that stage. Um, I dampened down my own sense of threat and fear. I regulated that. I decided I could trust myself because I'd done this. You know, it was all really in my head. I'd, I'd yeah. augmented this thing. Um, and then, you know, what could I trust the audience for? Little thing I could trust them for. Well, they're here. To they're also open, just like I am, to learning. Wonderful. So we had that in common. That took some empathy from my part and my oxytocin. Then spiked and I was able to think more clearly and remember words and um, and and play a little on that stage as opposed to just you know, doing it rote. Brilliant. And then the dopamine of going through the speech. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and having done it, yes, that wonderful reward when you step off. <laughs> Do you have a coffee as well? <laughs> oh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Oh, brilliant! I mean, uh, I really, I love the way you, you, your whole life's journey really has, has been that stepping stone to everything that you're doing now, and it's so authentic. It really comes through. It really shines through. Um, that everything that you're doing, you know, you have had some challenges. You have gone through uh, quite, a, 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 you know, um, a, a bit of a learning journey on your own. And this is what you embody, and this is what you teach as well in the courses that you do. Um, now, I would like to ask you specifically because you work within the workplace. You work with people going through challenges in the workplace. How about yourself? Could you share a significant challenge that you have faced in your career journey? And then tell us how you overcame it. Well, it, it is actually around wellness, so I'll, I'll mention this. In the, the first larger training organization that, that I co-founded, um, I was so excited. You know how you are. And you're, Yvonne, I mean, with, with, with your particular organization, you're talking about you're only going to be, you know, given the go-ahead fully, possibly, um, in a year. And, and I know. It's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> but you must be excited now. That's right. And, and one is, one is, as a founder, so you can see the future. And, you know, in my case, I had a wonderful co-founder as well. And... Uh, we were passionate. We just, we, we worked day and night. That, that's what we did. Um, and we would take on massive projects and, and grow. And we, 
we were so proud, I suppose, of the fact that we, we could. But this then became a habit. It became habitual. I used to derive so much pleasure from that. I also derived great pleasure from my family and my two beautiful little girls at the time. And, but I, I, I didn't prioritize my health, going for checkups, mammograms, those kinds of things. And in my last year at the organization, I started feeling nauseous all the time, all the time. I would have migraines every day, but because I was so driven, I had clients waiting for me, consults that had taken three months to set up. I would drive through the visual aura, could hardly see what I was doing, but I would drive, I would get there, I would present with a migraine. It's almost impossible to do that, but I drove myself through that. And I had no time, I felt, to take, to go and see the doctor. And eventually, when I did, the diagnosis was already in place. So I was probably in and on a slippery slope that year before. Fortunately, I did go after having withdrawn from that crazy life. It took me sitting with my executive coach for him to say, so this was round about, well, this is that during that terrible time that year, when I truly had symptoms of, of what was to come. Um, he said, um, so where do you want to be this year? Obviously talking about the business. And I said, actually, oh, all I want is to feel the, the wet grass under my feet in the mornings. That's what I really, that was what I truly needed. And I said, but anyway, let's get back to business. And he said, no, let's go back to that green grass. And we then explored it. And my incredible, you know, you have such loyalty, you've grown an organization. It's your baby. How could you possibly leave it? But I was in a state in which if I didn't, it would have meant death. And so I decided to take time out. There came the jolly diagnosis. It gave me space to think about whether I truly was being the best mum to my two gorgeous girls, highly intelligent, but who had an au pair with them in the afternoons, not mum. And so I decided to take a couple of years, during which I did all sorts of other things, but it wasn't that same pressure. Um, it was volunteer work. I, I would help a church build leaders and coaches so that we could grow, um, that sort of thing. And that was just enough to keep me feeling like I was doing good while I was doing getting well. Um, it enabled my family to have what they needed. And it led me to my ultimate, um, I feel, purpose in life, which was neuroscience of leadership all through my taking a step back. So to answer your question, Yvonne, that was something that surely taught me an incredible lesson. And it is about balance, about taking time out, regaining perspective and moving forward based on that. I love that. And it just it just goes to show just what an incredible person you are. I mean um, you know having to deal with all that and just like we talked about right at the beginning, what you ended up doing was it was giving to others that actually helped you through yourself. You took time off and gave to your daughters. 
they took time off and went and worked with a church organization that needed you. Yeah. Um, wow, wow. So you're, you're a real life example of what you teach. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. you absolutely leave it. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, wow. So you then started Symbiota. Tell us a little bit about what Symbiota does. I know you do courses. They're quite impactful and programs and you look at the role in leadership development and you know so what do you do how do you measure success and how do you know that these programs are effective yeah firstly thank you for those accolades i'm just i'm sitting here quietly saying thank you and and just lapping it all up right when you're in the presence of greatness when you're in the presence of greatness here i'm in you can always tell, right? So I, I, I look at you, I hear you, and I know too. This is this is visceral stuff. We are 100% living it. Um, but thank you. Yes. Yeah, so an organisation, similar to Leadership Institute, um, has training programs that support a bigger goal within that organisation. So if, if they are wanting to create a a culture of performance, let's say, right? Performance and revenue might be kind of closer to what Very they really important, want. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but so that you can and efficiency, those are normally yeah. the biggest drivers and they so that we have those dollars and pounds or runs going in. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we that's that's great. And that is the measurable end end point. But what we do with leaders and with teams and so on, um, we we create a sense of self-awareness through showing and sharing what happens in the brain when, as we spoke about today, we are triggered by the typical workplace issues. We look at the kinds of challenges that the leadership and their teams are experiencing and we work toward them coming up with ideas as to how to overcome them once they've seen what we need to do in terms of regulating the thinking that is keeping everyone stuck. So there's a real sense, even if they, they start off not trusting each other, um, by the end of a second day, or if we chunk it, it'll be say the end of a month, you know, four hours a week, every week, um, end up with this incredible cohesion. So we, we go from self-awareness to how do I regulate my emotions? Like three easy ways, right, that can help you cope with just about anything in life. Um, how can I deal with this jolly prejudice now that I know that it's a normal default? That's my brain's shortcut. It doesn't like working too hard. So it jumps to its own conclusions and I have just allowed it. So what can we do about it? Uh, we will have leaders saying, right, so we have a diverse team. How do we create family here? How? You know, if, if we are all non-consciously somehow separating ourselves out from each other, what are we going to do to unite? Well, let's have a common vision. Let's truly connect. Let's get in the minute you start seeing each other as human beings with all the same needs, the same triggers. That transparency leads to more and more and more closer connections. Before you know it, everyone is feeling happy, connected, trusted, trustworthy, rising to expectations, you know. And um, so it's, it's about that. It's about then 
find so how do we actually intentionally create this trust what does it mean uh, what will it look like and then we go into a sort of a change fitness um, scenario because even having these initial goals is part of change fitness so mm. yes we're looking to foundation change but how do we coach our people then to become resilient how do we coach them as opposed to annual reviews using the old key performance indicators, which frighten mm. everyone, um, just as full of judgment, um, suppose that you're perceived to be that way. How can we do it differently? And so every individual on the program undergoes an internal um, transformation. They are better as a result of having been through this process. Not only are they better at work, they're better at home in their relationships. Um, and they love the fact that it's hard science as opposed to this is what you should do. It's like, now you see this, what does it say to you? What are your insights and what do you want to do about it? So that is, we have, we have resilience programs, trust programs, we have mainly leadership programs. How do you create a, a culture of performance and wellness? Um, sales teams, how are you? Unlocking in your clients what you need to through first taking charge of your own brain, which is your way of success. Before you've even walked in or gone into your Zoom screen, you have put barriers in place that are precluding a successful outcome. So there's just it's generally the same process um, that we that we adopt, um, but with measurable outcomes that are appropriate to what it is that they do. Sales perspective, they might say, right, um, you know, one of them might just because they, they're all their own goals, but under a greater umbrella, they might say, you know, I have three clients who are so intimidating, I've shied away from going to see them. Well, within the next six weeks, post this training program, um, I want to go and see these individuals using my newfound skills um, and assess the outcome. And invariably, they have a basic revenue uh, based outcome so there's that uh, leaders would look at presenteeism they'd have a measurable um, goal oh that's brilliant so it all comes from self-awareness perspective understanding yourself understanding what triggers you understanding and i love that as well um, for the leadership because it gives them something tangible you know being transparent it's quite counterintuitive sometimes, isn't it? When the, the heads of, 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 of business, when you're thinking, if I share or if I'm too transparent, you know, uh, am I going to be sharing too much with my people? But like you're saying, it actually does the, you know, the opposite. It builds trust. It helps them have a common shared vision, something they can all gravitate behind, brings everybody together. And then I like the fact that you then go into the individual parts of the business. Um, yeah, so that is brilliant. Thank you so much, Lynn. What I'd like to do in this last part of the session, though, we... Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Toto wants to join the conversation. Hi. Um, so we want to... <laughs> Someone was... Uh, Somebody was at really wants your attention. I think, I think 
very much. <laughs> so he's very protective over that door. Like as soon as he hears the gate, it's, it's just good. It's, yeah. he, it's his trigger. Like we're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> he's going to drop. He's going to drop. He's going to drop. It's his trigger. But at least he deals with it quite quickly. He's quite uh, So, so I, I would like us to go into this quick fire bit. Where I want I want us to uncover your secrets of youth. You know, we we did oh. talk about this. We said by the time it rings, everything. In addition, you mean to having a filter on my on my screen, right? <laughs> I have a filter? No way! I've seen you without no filter. You know, <laughs> I know you're you're hiding the truth here, but we're gonna get it out of you later. Oh. Okay, cool. Let's get, let's go into a playful part of the of the podcast. I quite enjoy that. Most guests really enjoy this, and we we want to find out a little bit about who Swain is, so the personal side of you and i'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions and no thinking gotta say the first thing that comes oh, to boy. mind okay, okay. right <laughs> don't worry we'll keep it quiet for sure <laughs> first question what's your favorite guilty pleasure food mm. no thinking <laughs> lasagna <laughs> comfort food comfort. <laughs> Comfort food, lasagna, fantastic. So all that cheese and how do you look like that if you're eating lasagna? Or is it oh, like yeah, the rest of the rest of the week it's yeah, it's it's, it's not not that great. Deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh brilliant. And then what's your one secret tip for having high energy on a consistent basis? I believe that every morning, you know, waking up and saying, right, you know, what do I need? And, and I know it's not necessarily the right, right culture for everybody, but I just am very, I'm driven by exciting goals. So I tend to set goals that are slightly beyond even my expectation, like slightly, and then not tell everyone about it strangely not tell everyone about it you don't want micromanagement when you're in the middle of you know really fighting towards towards this so yeah i, I wake up in the morning and I, I basically remember the ultimate goal um and that moves me um, i of course up my dopamine with my coffee that it gets me it gets me beyond that typical early morning stage especially at, at my age um, because it literally it does move dopamine toward a sweet spot just so that your listeners know if you have too many cups you in fact are down sliding down the other side of that curve into not being able to concentrate so while it helps you it's got to be in the sweet spot but uh, yeah so it would be that um, it would be some exercise um, and then settling down in a novel environment. So if I'm not training on a particular day, I don't work from my home office. I go to a coffee shop where there's music and there are other people, because we have that kind of a culture here in, in South Africa. I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but... Yeah, definitely. Are... We definitely have music coffee shops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people take out their, their laptops. And now I you're not so... Lane. <laughs> really? Oh, you... is Africa. Really? Africa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. yeah, it's very chill, you know. It's very yeah. 
conservative. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I, I would, and that moves your dopamine. So that's also, it's novelty, change, challenge. Um, and so that's how I thrive. And probably like you, I still feel 16, 17 inside. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that is probably the key. That's all I have that to is, offer. That's the, <laughs> that's, that, that's the secret of looking like a queen at um, at, at 16 oh. years with 20 oh. years of experience. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, that's the half of it. It's only half of it. Oh, we've we've had such a fantastic time. I could talk to you forever. You know. It's it's really been enjoyable. We've learned so much. I mean, you started us off um, with explaining the importance of our brain in the actions and the activities that we undertake and understanding why sometimes we react the way we do uh, because of that reptilia brain, you know, the ancestors, the, the brain we've inherited of a gazillions of generations <laughs> um, and and it's knowing that our reactions and anybody can be triggered right from the study yeah. that you've seen you know we, we looked at anybody can be triggered it's just how we react to those triggers so different people are able to cope in different ways because they have developed certain coping skills and and, and I suppose the, the key takeaway is most of us can learn these coping um, mechanisms and then take them into our various roles and the importance of leadership being aware of this but most importantly I think that is the one key takeaway and the key insight is we each can be self-aware and the more each and every person in the workplace is self-aware of their triggers, you know, the, the 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 relationships that we have, if we have vertical relationships rather than horizontal relationships, how we are going to be triggered more, um, and the steps that we can take to make sure that we take responsibility for how we are in the workplace, in order to create a non-toxic environment in our own workplaces, um, you know. Um, so that we have the, the I, I suppose, if I can say this, Lynn, if it's okay, so that we can have a, the utopia that we want in our oh, work. Yes. Um, so really, really important. So thank you so much, Lynn. Could you maybe tell us about where you want to be going in the future with Symbiota? with you know with your if you can share i know you don't like to share the, your goals but maybe one little goal for next year <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the one that we are allowed to know don't you you? totally get where you're coming from with, with, the, with not sharing the dream as it's germinating because sometimes people will crunch it up people can be weeds to our dreams if we're not careful we share you know share our dreams so i totally echo that uh, but maybe that little one that we're allowed no, no, absolutely yeah this is completely yeah. different yeah. so the leadership institute um, is on the brink of expansion that needs to include the uk and the greater europe so i am so happy to be on your podcast with you because you know you are really part of um, that incredible road, that journey. So 
yes, uh, we're wanting to develop facilitators both in, in, uh, in Europe as well as elsewhere across the world. And um, it's time to really spread the message. And I think that, interestingly, this, this TED Talk has led me to a sense of a need to do this because we were right. People are desperate for that kind of information. People are struggling in lack of trust. They're struggling for lack of skills to develop trust. Um, and trust is core to income. It's core to everything that we're looking for in any workplace or in any home. So our, our conduit to all of this um, comes in the form of these amazing programs, transformational programs that reach so many different um, goals. And it's, it's important that we not keep it the best kept secret here. Um, that is where I'm wanting to go. I'm also really wanting to take to further speaking platforms. So I also invite anyone to email me or find me on LinkedIn, Lynn Swain, lynn.symbiota at gmail.com. Send it to that email address, lynn.symbiota at gmail.com um, to be part of the expansion. Um, I really do look forward to that and uh, would love to be challenged with something, something new. Give me a new challenge to solve. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. New goals. Lovely. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. We've been having an insightful, valuable um, conversation with Lynn Swain um, over in the beautiful area of Cape Town, which I ha Lynn has invited me to, to go yes. to. And, uh, and, and I'll, I, I would go there in a heartbeat, especially in winter. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, lovely. it's lovely to make a new friend in Lynn uh, from our friend that we were talking about, Caroline, but also to understand the value of self-awareness, especially within the workplace, and for leaders to understand how our 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 employees, you know, our our workplace colleagues can get triggered and how we can support them um, in having that shared vision so thank you so much Aline for you know choosing to spend your valuable time with us I know you're such a visible man really successful um, and for you to choose our platform and to to come and spend your valuable time in means a lot to us and our listeners and um, I would really encourage our listeners to go back and listen to this episode listen to what Lynn has uh, has shared with us some really valuable insights that we can start putting into our life straight away. Yvonne, can I please just thank you and to say it was a total, I don't want to say privilege so overused, but really to be here with you, you create such rich conversation and, and thank you. Um, you truly are well-being champion out there for all of us and just really allowing us all to to learn from each other and i've learned from you thank you very very much and thank you to your listeners and your viewers um, it's been thank a you. very special time thank you so much and for now really encourage our viewers to have a look back at this episode and follow us at in my kitchen with yvonne and we look forward to hosting our future episodes 
our next episode, we're going to be having the lovely Georgia, another powerhouse woman who will be coming to share her experience as a startup founder, some of the challenges she has and some of the ways she has found to cope with them and this, our well-being podcast. So for now, we just want to wish you a lovely day. And as you know, keep showing you some TLC today. Bye for now. Maybe.